Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy at Catholic Studies Academy. And before we get started, I want to let all of our listeners know um, that we have several different options at our website for you to um, attend classes. We have uh, classes that you can buy outright and go at your own pace. Uh, we have the subscription model, so you can sign up and you can take a, uh, a number of different courses in philosophy and theology. And again, take them at your own pace. You're, you're, you have a, a wide array of, of different options of classes that you can take. And I also want to uh, invite our listeners, please hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, because that really helps us out, really helps grow our community uh, here on all the different uh, platforms. All right, let's get to it. Um, so today the topic is going to be happiness, right? Right. Um, yeah. So we're going to try to um, uh, try to fight all the fluffy junk that's out there, <laughs> and uh, and approach this from a a, a philosophical perspective, uh, as right. we like to do here, uh, and as as uh, Dr. Smith likes to do. And so uh, what we want to do today is is really look at happiness. Um, from um, Aristotle and from uh, some, from the ancients, right? right and we want right. to also try to, uh, uh, you know, we'll bring in Christianity at the end, but we, we but we really want to try to to look at it, uh, not necessarily uh, through the lens of Christianity, but kind of uh, just kind of a natural uh, understanding of happiness. So mm -hmm. looking at the ancients will give us a good way, and they'll be our our good guides today. Sure. Uh, to to look at it in this way so uh dr smith uh let's get it let's uh get us started here maybe we can uh as we do a lot of times um just define our terms what do we what do we mean by happiness how what are what are the other aspects of life right or what are the other aspects of myself that are that are important you know desires mm. sure. what is the good what are right. the ends you know all of these things maybe put it together for us yeah, so Aristotle, uh, one of the, you know, a lot of what I say here is going to be kind of inspired by the Nicomachean ethics, uh, Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics. Uh, I'm not going to just restrict myself to that, but it's a lot of it's sure. inspired by that. Uh, the Nicomachean ethics is a wonderful book uh, in a lot of ways. It was really kind of the book that converted me to Aristotle. I think a lot of people have had that experience, you know, when you, <laughs> when you read, you know, the first time the Nicomachean ethics, you're just sort of blown away. Um, one of the things that's really fun and interesting about the Nicomachean ethics is Aristotle kind of, he's very concise and he brings up important insights and questions, mm -hmm. but it's almost kind of, he lets the, he lets the exploration wander a little bit yeah, uh, because like, he'll come back to the same point over and over again and say, what, it seems we've arrived at where we began. right?" <laughs> you know? And uh, I think that's because, you know, it's a, it's, it's sort of exploratory. Uh, there is a systematic yeah. aspect to it, but it is a very exploratory work. And it, that's fitting, I think, with the topic here. When you ask, you know, what is happiness? Well, goodness gracious, that's a that's a huge, yep. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not easily defined. And I think one of the things that's fun and useful about, um, you know, uh, 
at least temporarily just sort of restricting ourselves to a logical philosophical exploration here is sure is it is it gives us the opportunity to kind of slowly approach this the subject matter right instead yeah. of just kind of laying down a definition from the catechism or something we could actually sort of slowly approach it and kind of appreciate it i think uh, in its complexity a little bit more um than if we just sort of lay down a definition obviously happiness you know aerosol says at the beginning you know happiness is what all men aim for. If you ask, you know, do you want to be happy? Sure. I mean, what kind of psychotic person's going to say no? I mean, like you, if somebody said no, you'd be like, okay, you're, you're either, you're, you're kidding. Like you're, <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're just being a smart aleck or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody says that. Yeah. Nobody said, yeah. I mean, what's the alternative happiness? What you want to be depressed? You want to be <laughs> angry? You want to be sad? I mean, yeah. Right? I mean, everybody wants to be happy. Right. So I think it's, it's useful to, when you're approaching happiness, uh, okay, so then you say, okay, okay, well, what is it? Well, I think a lot for a lot of Americans, it would just be satisfaction, right? Are mm-hmm. you feel satisfied? Uh, yeah. That kind of thing. Do you feel appreciated? Um, does it, yeah, I mean, that, I, I don't even know, like when Americans, most Americans use it, I think they mean something like that, right? Um, yeah, I think some would even lower it to, I'm content. <laughs> yeah, right, sadly, yeah. sadly, you know, but um, uh, yeah. So I got lots of stuff, maybe, you know, yeah, right, right. This sort of thing. Um, I think it's useful to, to, when we're trying to define happiness, then to, to start with human action, mm-hmm. right? Sort of start with sort of the particular, then kind of move our way up towards the, the general. Sure. Um, so when you think about human action in general, this is what Aristotle does. He says, well, all human action aims for an end, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, he, and then he also says all human actions for the good. And so you, know, you have to, if you take those two together, it starts to get, get at actually a, quite a lot uh, when you start to think about it. Our actions are not um, goalless, right? That yeah. is when we act, we act with some end in view, some objective in view, right? Um, you know, uh, from the time I got up this morning, I was doing things here in the house um, and doing them with a view to getting ready for this podcast, right? Uh, so, you know, you could ask, why are you doing that? Well, I'm, I'm doing X because I need to get ready for the podcast. Yeah. Right? You know, the, the fact that we act for an end, it's that end that motivates the action, right? Sure, it sure. moves you. Uh, that's why it can be called under one aspect of fi- the final cause, right? It's that it's what it's what accounts for and makes the action to happen. I'm doing this for a reason, and that's why we can answer the question why, right? Uh, right. You know, uh, when I ask my kids why they did something, when they say I don't know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> let's talk this one through. That's right. Yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> we had a reason, didn't we? Uh, right? Or if you really don't, they'll say you don't. don't well, don't act. <laughs> don't don't do it if you don't know why you're doing right. it. Right. Yeah. And you, you would even, yeah, we even recognize when somebody's doing something that's, that's pointless or aimless. Like if they're just like walking around to no end, you're like, Mm. you know, are you lost? What is, what's, are you, what are you looking for? Like, you know, you ask your kids that if you just see them kind of wandering around the house, right. right. You know, like Mm. there's, we, we recognize like, yeah, there, there has to be an end, right. If there's not an end, well, why, what, what do you do? Why are you doing it? Yeah. Right. Right. The why is important. Yeah, so I mean, I just think, you know, Aristotle just thinks that as a fact of human psychology, sure. right? That's yeah. a, it's a fact of uh, the psychology of human action that we 
do things for reasons, right? For objectives. Now, in saying that, right, these objectives could be large or small, right? Right. You know, from earning a college degree and getting married uh, to just getting ready for the day, right? You know, yeah. or, you know, um, uh, creating an enjoyable afternoon for your kids or, you know what I mean? Like, like so it could be big projects. It could be little projects, right? Or sure. something, in, you know, sort of uh, in between. Now, that second statement's also important, which is that all human action is for the good, right? Um, so you think, well, yeah. that sounds awfully naive, <laughs> right? Is there a subtle being a little yep. too optimistic there, right? Because uh, you could, you know, doesn't seem that all human action is for the good. Of course, Aristotle's not being naive. Uh, yeah. what, what he means is, is that we do something insofar as we see it to be desirable in one way or another. Right. right. The perceived so, good. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, so, you know, the, the, you know, the, what I, what I like to call the, the fourth donut, right. You know, <laughs> the, you, you go for the fourth donut because you perceive it to be desirable. It's not really right. And really you're at the point of diminishing returns when it comes to donut <laughs> consumption, <laughs> which I know something about. Um, but the, uh, um, uh, maybe the third donut. Maybe maybe you should no, stop it too. No, no, I don't know. No. What do you think, Jason? No, Anyways. no. <laughs> and on on special feasts, you can even go for the fourth. I okay, uh, but you know, you perceive it to be good, desirable. Like if you said, "Well, why do you want the donut?" I'd say, "Because it tastes good." And then you say, "Well, why do you want to do what tastes good? Because it's pleasurable." And you're like, "Why? Why do you want to do what's pleasurable?" What? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what's the opposite? Right? Like pain? Like you know what I mean? Like I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure is a Pleasure is not a fully sufficient um, explanation for a human action, sure. right? Because we're rational agents, but it does exp have a lot of explanatory power, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like it's not, unless you've never experienced pleasure, um, which would be weird, um, <laughs> then, you know, you should understand what I mean. Like I do it because it's pleasing. Like it, it feels good. I don't, what else am I going to say, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, at, the, at that point, right? Um, so, um, of course there are other reasons that we th they see things to be, uh, to be desirable. Sometimes things are desirable, perceived to be desirable because we see them to be useful. And then sometimes we see them to be desirable because they're, uh, the right thing to do. Right. Right. They're virtuous. They, they, they are uh, a duty or uh, however you want to put it there. I don't want to be too narrow in uh, one way or the other, but you sure. know, it just, just, this is the, the kind of thing that has to be done. Uh, Thomas in St. Thomas inheriting Aristotle's way of talking, you know, causes us the bonum honestum, right. Or uh, which can be understood as the honest good, but also sometimes you could think of it as the praiseworthy good, right. Yeah. We don't praise a man for doing something that's pleasurable. I mean, that's cool, you know, <laughs> but we don't say, Oh, that's honorable. Right. Yeah. Right? But we do praise a man for defending the city or, um, you know, raising uh, his children. Well, right. Right. And, and I think you do have to, uh, you know, and I think even St. Thomas says that, you know, the the ple pleasure must be connected to the good. Right. Sure. So if something is <laughs> pleasurable and it is not good, mm -hmm. then it's not good. Right. That's right so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you what's going on there, right, is say with, uh, you know, fornication. Right. You know, sure. fornication, or let's, let's go with adultery. It's a little bit clearer. Like adultery, right? There's an injustice, right? To the spouse, right? Yeah. And so it's a morally bad act. 
it's it's a shameful act, right? Not praiseworthy. Um, but the um, but it's still done insofar as it seemed to be good. That yeah. it's done as pleasurable, right? Yeah. And the man, I mean, you know, sometimes we act as if people aren't capable of malice. That's false. Uh, malice is when you do something and you know it's wrong, but you do it under the aspect in which it is desirable, right? So as yeah. far as pleasure, pleasure is desirable, right? You know, you could say, well, it's kind of good, like from a natural point of view, maybe like just in the sense of like the satisfaction, right? The sexual desire. Yeah. Um, but it's morally wrong still and you know it's morally wrong you're just isolating on the aspect in which it's uh desirable right which yeah hum- humans are really good about that too that's right. re- <laughs> really good about justifying sin that's right that's right um so anyways does that threefold distinction make sense yeah yeah absolutely. okay yeah so yeah. uh and i think it's a pretty good i mean you might want to add some other nuances to it but i think it's a pretty good um taxonomy there in terms of what we perceive to be desirable. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you know, key, you know, what's important about that is that accounts for the ends that we pursue. We right. pursue, so we act for an end, but we act for ends that we see to be desirable. Something comes up sort of as an end, as uh, as choice worthy, as an object to be pursued because it's perceived to be good. Right. That is yeah, right. Desirable in some way or the other. So I think once you've got that down as kind of your understanding of the psychology and really structure, mm-hmm. baseline structure, there's a lot more to it, of course, but the baseline structure um, for particular human actions, I think we can use those same tools and same ideas to talk uh, about um, uh, happiness or talk about sort of uh, life uh, in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, Aristotle brings up this question. This is, these are, this is in book one, chapters one and two of, well, you know, there's a, some things are desired, like the useful good, right? Um, only for the sake of something else. Yeah. Right? So if it's merely useful, it's, it's chosen um, because of something else, right? So this is kind of interesting. We start to get into it. You know, I, I think especially Americans, um, have a tendency towards hot pray, like uh, esteeming use, right? The, the usefulness uh, yeah. as that may be the, the best thing, you know? Um, and of course, useful the useful good is good, right? Like it is valuable, but sure. it's only valuable for something else. If that something else didn't exist, it wouldn't be valuable, right? Right. And I think this is really interesting, especially when it comes to the issue of work. Um, yes. You know, yeah. very often I think... Uh, there's a tendency among some people to overestimate, right? Uh, the value of work. Work can be valuable in itself. And so far as we think of it as an art, right? There's a kind of perfection sure, sure. that can be there. Perfection of a certain skill. But the really interesting thing is that skill doesn't make you a good man and it doesn't make your life a good life. Yeah. Right? And, and that's different than a virtue. See, a virtue perfects the man. An mm-hmm. art perfects the product. So you can be making really great products, but still be a bad man and have a miserable life. <laughs> you know, plenty of examples there. Plenty of examples out there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and I think connected to that is the is you know, sometimes our jobs. I mean, most of our jobs 
involves the delivery of some good or service, right? And so sure. that way they can we can we can esteem them, even if it's just you know working at a restaurant. I mean, you're helping people to feed, right? To eat, you know? right? So that's cool. Have leisure um, time, like you could even. I mean, sure. yeah, yeah. So there's a you know there is that the there is some value in almost all of the work that people do, um, but from you know the employee's perspective probably what's paramount is the utility involved right of uh the salary very few of us would do what we do for free right right <laughs> you know and that kind of put, points you to okay you know maybe there are some things we do for free but okay yeah uh, the major value from the employee's perspective is uh, this is useful yeah yeah does that make yeah, sense so it's, it's yeah it's not an end in and of itself that it's a it's a it's a means to another end. That's right. It's, that's right. You're working for something else. In this case, it's usually you know a paycheck, right? That's right. Um, yeah. and it yeah, and then the you know probably a, a modern you know problem is when we see that as the end, you right, know. But right. again, you know, we're called to look at okay, well then we have money, which is again means to something else not that's in right. and of, it of itself yeah, so yeah yeah i mean if you, you just know, you sat there you know like yeah was it scrooge mcduck i remember it was a cartoon as a kid you know <laughs> right and he just yeah. like to swim in his money oh yeah uh but you know that's obviously stupid right <laughs> i mean you know like i i don't i mean there's no pleasure you can really derive from it it's just weird yeah um, that is really and weird. <laughs> uh you know like if you just have the money stacked up all around you you know you're like I mean, we could pet it or something. I don't know. Like this, it, it's useless, right? You can't eat it. Yeah. You, you know, uh, it's um, it's not useless. It's it has no value in itself. Its only value is in what it can purchase, right? Yeah, exactly. And even uh, and I would say even for you know for our listeners, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know, have taken any Doctor Smith's courses, he ends it with, "I hope you have found this to be useful and <laughs> helpful." Right. <laughs> Right. The reason why we learn and talk about these things is to is is not just so we have this knowledge to, you know, throw around or something or even uh, something like that. But it's for the purpose of building virtue and good men and good people. And, that's right. um, you know, uh, it, it, it has a higher end. That's, that's right. not just the, you know, the attainment of it or something like that. Right. Although the attainment's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, and that's yeah. necessary. Right. Yeah. If you want to achieve that end, you, you do have to attain it to some degree. Right, um, but yes. yeah. So, so Aristotle asked this question about: Is there something that we never desire for the sake of something else? So he's asking. He recognizes that there are these sort of chains of motivation. You could say, yeah, kind of series of motivations. I do this for X, and I do X for Y, and I do what, right? But it's got to come to an end at some point, right? I mean, sometimes uh, you know, sometimes you know, when people have like a midlife crisis or something like that, you know. Uh, or experience extreme dissatisfaction in their job, you know, they ask, well, what is yeah. it all for? Right. Like, it doesn't seem to really matter. Like if you just have this kind of endless chain, right. Um, of, uh, uh, of actions and motivations, doesn't it need to terminate somewhere? Right. Yeah. Now, sometimes people accuse Aristotle here of making a bad analogy or inference, basically something like, well, since every chain has an end, there must be an end to the chain of my motivations, right? And that's not true. What he's saying is, is something I think deeper, which is that, that human psychology is set up such that it needs a sufficient cause and mm -hmm. such things are uh, a sufficient motivation and things that are dependently motivating mm -hmm 
Now this starts. This should sound a little bit like the first cause kind of argumentation. Yeah, actually. yeah. I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. Things that are dependently motivating depend on something that motivates independently, right? Yeah. Per se, right? That's a per se kind of hierarchy there. Uh, uh, so, like, that's I think important to realize, right? That that it has to be the case that there are things that I'm aiming for. Uh, for their own sake, or if I don't have something like that, that there's something incoherent about myself, incoherent about my psychology. Sure. And that's why I end up being kind of, I don't know, uh, confused and disoriented at times, right? Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not adhering to a proper psychological order, right? In which I, you know, pursue um, dependently motivating things for independently motivating things, right? Um, and so he asked, you know, is it, the, is it possible that we have something like this for our whole life? And of course he says, well, maybe happiness, <laughs> right? You know, which you're like, okay, good. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, you, yeah. know, you think about you know, something like uh, the Declaration of Independence, right? The pursuit of happiness is right there, you know? Um, that, that, you know, if you, if you were to ask just at a basic kind of conversational level, why do you want to get married? Why do you want to yeah. have a job that provides you with enough money and is at least decently uh, fulfilling or decently uh, pleasant. Um, why do you um, want children? Why do you go on vacations twice a year? You know, maybe like you start, you know, see what I'm saying, you know, like, oh, yeah. why do you like to hunt or backpack or something like that? Because, um, you know, like, like, for example, for most people, hunting is a sport, right? I mean, it's not like actually you do it because that's how you, you know, survive right right it's it's a leisure activity basically right um it may be strenuous but it's still a leisure activity right something you do for its own sake same with backpacking yeah. <laughs> i love backpacking i like to backpack a lot myself but you know it is kind of like the most useless <laughs> activity in the world <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah just, you, like you're just walking down a trail with all this stuff on your back yeah right? i just i just did a trip with uh with some of my kids my wife was like is this really how you want to spend your days off? Like she's, she's she didn't she didn't understand. Like she's like you want to put like forty pounds on your back, right. hike four miles, and sleep on the ground. That's right. Like, That's right. Yeah. How about we go to the beach? You know, like That's right. That's right. It's a party. Go on. Oh, so I love it though. It's great. It's, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So the um, uh, uh, you know. I think that, you know, if the conversation went long enough, I think you would start to say, okay, well, I do all these things in the pursuit of happiness, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the various things in my life, I do them because um, I want to be happy, right? That still doesn't quite get us to a definition of happiness, right? Sure. But that is sort of, I think, you know, Aristotle's getting at the idea of, well, well, like if you ask, why do you want to be happy? The conversation's over, right? Like yeah. in Aristotle's view, like it just that, that whatever happiness is, everything is for happiness and happiness isn't for the sake of something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, I, I think that's something that's just key to not just remember, but when you're talking with somebody that, that, the, the end of happiness involves the entire activity of man. Like it involves right. everything about you. It's not just simply like happiness is success. Happiness is um, 
just this or happiness mm. is just that, you know, or, you know, it's recognition, fame, money. You can't, mm. you can't boil it down to, to, to one of these things. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily include everything, but it does involve everything of who man is. Yeah. It involves yeah. everything. It's right. You know, so I think sometimes people think about happiness as what happens outside of work or something <laughs> like that. Right. Like uh, sometimes people say, wait, I need a work life balance. I'm like, well, like, are you not alive when you're at work? I mean, like, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> no, like work is part of your life. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, some people kind of get that mixed up and kind of make work their life right? Uh, right. rather than make it a part. But um, uh, yeah, it's one organic whole and it all sort of ultimately points towards um, happiness, right? Sure. Um, as, as what you're pursuing uh, in the various aspects. Now, again, I think that's just at sort of a conversational level, common sense level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that, you know, Aristotle is very, one of the things I like about Aristotle is, is his um respect for common sense right and his respect for the common way of talking you know like somebody says let's just see how people what people say you know that's not a sufficient <laughs> answer but it's a but it's a good place to begin and um what he has to say here then i think if we're starting to think about okay what um what is um what is the definition of happiness okay so we're all aiming for that Maybe once we understand the definition, we can give even more reasons why we're aiming for it, right? Um, but we're all aiming for happiness. So what is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And a helpful distinction here, which we've already distinguished between for its own sake and for the sake of something else, yeah. right? An- another helpful distinction here is between the perfect and the imperfect, mm-hmm. right? That is between the complete end and the incomplete end. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, where does where do we see this? Well, we think about it. There are probably a, several different things in my life that I do for their own sake. Right. Mm-hmm. For example, um, at a kind of trivial level, right? Maybe backpacking, uh, going fishing, um, uh, watching football. Right. Uh, football fan. You know, learning, thinking about football. Um, Studying history at this point is, I, it does actually it is useful to me, but for most, for the most part, I, I do it for its own sake, right? Just to right. learn, right? Uh, just because I enjoy it. Um, so things like that, more uh, significant, um, you know, say relating to my children, right? So being a good father, uh, mm-hmm. developing my relationship with my children. I don't do that for the sake of something else, right? Like I don't use right. my children, right? Um, in order to accomplish some other project, right? You know, right. does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah, you don't sit there and think, okay, I need to raise, I need to be good to my kids so that they'll grow up and enter the workforce. And then that will put money in uh, social security and I'll be able to retire. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> not that I've thought about this, but I'm just saying. But that's not why. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I, I used to like to say to my students. You guys need to go out and earn a lot of money because because Social Security is going bankrupt. That's right. You yeah, pay a lot but, of taxes. Yeah, it makes for a good joke, but yeah, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't it's motivate me in the morning. <laughs> it's not why I do what I do. Right, and then also right. say you you know with your your relationship with your spouse, of course, sure is for its own sake ultimately. Um, certainly, you know, as uh, as a husband, I'm sure you aspire aspire to be both uh pleasant and useful 
aspire aspire yeah (laughs) but in addition to that right you know um you know the spouse is loved for his or her own sake right yeah um and then you know at the deepest level of course our relationship with god right you know so even if we don't want to bring in to view the like eternal beatitude we can just still think about prayer and contemplation right as you know those are things i do really for their own sake right like i i i don't it is true that having a consistent prayer habit or a consistent habit of contemplation makes my life better in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways, but ultimately, you know, my life isn't a higher end, right? Yeah. 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 Than, 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 than God. Right. And so, you know, really that's something I do for its own sake. Uh, In a lot of ways, life is ordered towards that end. Right. Sure. (laughs) That, That makes sense. So there's lots of ends in our lives, lots of objectives that are um, desired for their own sake. Mm-hmm. But leaving off uh, prayer and contemplation, if you go back to the other examples I had about relationships or leisure or, or mm-hmm. just kind of trivial things, um, you wouldn't say that your whole life, right, or that you desire everything for the sake of watching football. Right. Right. <laughs> if you did, I would say you were disordered. <laughs> right? exactly. There's something wrong with you. You're a very truncated person. Right. <laughs> uh, right. You're, you're not really that because why is that? Because your humanity is broader than football. Right. As great as the, the sport is, it's uh, your humanity encompasses more than uh, the game of football. Right. Um, and uh, and your life does. Right. There's, you know, like your life has lots of different parts to it. Um, you know, do you really live in order for, for the sake of football, right? That would be, you know, that, that would be strange, right? Um, yeah. And and doesn't, wouldn't really make sense. Um, how would that help you with your human relationships? I mean, you would only have human relationships with other people who, I guess, joined you in watching football or something, right? Um, the other thing that you would want to kind of keep and in, bring into view, right, um, is even say with relationships, right? As important as they are, um, and they are very important. They're not the complete, they're not complete ends, right? They're imperfect yeah. as ends because they don't cover everything, right? I mean, if somebody tells you, you know, you're my whole life, right? In a romantic, you're mm, mm. not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let you down. <laughs> right? yep. You're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> you're right? putting a lot of pressure on me right there. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, um, our relationships are important. They're, they are for their own sake, but they're incomplete as an end for a human being. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, and I would even say, I mean, not, you know, we use the football example because that's an easy one to understand, mm-hmm. but you can even put even something higher than, you know, watching football there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can even put, you know, a, a noble profession, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still not going to be this kind it's still it's still going to be an imperfect end. It's still, mm-hmm. it's still going to be lacking something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, uh, it's not going to account. It's not going to give you a way of um, thinking about and evaluating your whole life. Right. Right. So whatever happiness is, happiness needs to not be one of those. Right. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Me- so what we're talking about here at this level we're not talking about the merely useful. We're talking about something that's good for its own sake, but is imperfect. 
Right. And so this is something that is capable as imperfect of being desired for its own sake and desired for the sake of something else. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I remember, um, I think it was uh, a Peter Kraft put it, you know, he, he mm. put it this way. He said, you know, nothing less than yourself can fulfill yourself. Right. So there's kind of a hierarchy here mm-hmm. with regard talking about happiness and fulfillment. Right. So, and, and he says, nothing in this world is more than yourself. Right. So, you know, kind of pointing to there's nothing really in this world that's going to fulfill ourselves. Like there's nothing going to be now granted, maybe we're, getting into theology here uh um getting past uh uh just the uh, philosophical perspective um but but having having that having that kind of understanding of you know even some of the best even the best things of this world are still Mm. less than yourself less than who you are Mm. so you know to to look for to look for to look at something lesser and to say it will fulfill you Mm -hmm. It's going to leave you maybe mm-hmm. uh, uh, in a problematic state, right? There, you're, you're of course, Jason, talking like sort of like the the ontological dignity, right? Sure, of, of being of the human person or human nature, right? Yeah, not your ego, right? 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's true. Like in terms of your human nature, right? Like, um, you know, fornication uh, falls is contrary to human nature. But even even a good healthy marriage, right, um, yeah. isn't the total actualization of human nature. Is that what you're getting? Right, at right, there? yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. That there's there's that the 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 human person and who they are is not just complex, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just you know, deep and broad. Like we, yeah, like we said, it involves everything. It involves the 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 totality of the human person. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing in this world that's going to right. satisfy every aspect mm-hmm. that happiness involves. Cause it's, mm-hmm. you know, deep within the soul. It's not, it's not material, you know? That's right. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's a, I don't know if that's a, a good distinction. No, I think that's, it's, that's helpful there right? in terms of distinguishing the imperfect and the perfect. Yeah. The, the perfect would be something right. Uh, that is complete for the human person. Right. Right. Um, right. Now, staying sort of at the philosophical level right now, you know, uh, we can at least just say that with these second level goods that are desirable for their own sake and desirable for the sake of something else, sure, they are, are, are praiseworthy goods, right? Um, so they're real goods are not merely useful, but they remain imperfect, right? They're right. incomplete. And one way of thinking about their incom- their incompleteness, right? Their imperfection. Some people get insulted, like my marriage is an incomplete good. Well, <laughs> pay attention, okay? Yeah. <laughs> right? We mean for your whole life, right? Your whole life. I mean, obviously your marriage involves everything. It yeah. impacts everything. But it's not the, um, it's not the sole good, right? Right. Um, that everything else is necessarily desired for, right? Um, it is a high end and, you know, higher than most, right? But right. it's not uh, such an end that it can't be desired for something else. And the question, the, the way to see that is to say, well, why, is there a reason you got married, <laughs> right? And you would say, 
I think, because he wanted to be happy. Yeah. And and that shows that happiness is above, right? Right. Marriage, right? And whatever happiness is, it's the perfect good, right? Yeah, I perceived it. I perceived good. a good, the desire, mm. uh, uh the, the desire grew and mm. marriage fulfills that desire. That's right. You That's right. yeah, in part, right? In, in part, this. yeah, 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 yeah. So now we're back at happiness being the perfect good, right? <laughs> so we know it's it is a perfect good. Um, so is there a perfect happiness end? has to be a perfect good, right? Sorry. Yeah. So is there a perfect end? Yeah. Right. Right. And so this is interesting. Now I think as Christians, of course, we could jump to right. Sure. The beatific vision and and, and so forth. But I, I kind of want to hold off on doing that because I think it's it's just interesting and maybe instructive. Right to look at this, maybe just force ourselves to stay at at a, at, a, at a philosophical level, a level of natural reason, for just a few more minutes. I like this idea of thinking about the about it that way because then you say, "Okay, well, what is the complete good?" Right? What what would make what would be the complete good? So, if happiness has to be the complete good, the perfect good, what what would that be if we're staying at the natural level? And one thing, this is odd saying in Aristotle that I've always, I find really interesting to think about, but he makes this claim that uh, we should call no man happy until he is dead. <laughs> it's really kind of odd, right, at first. Um, yeah. And what he is, his example is Priam uh, from the Iliad, right, who had lived a, a virtuous, prosperous, uh, pleasant life, mm-hmm. right? Very pleasant, right? Um, but ends with his whole kingdom being destroyed, his family wiped out, um, Hector slain and humiliated, dragged around the city, you know. Um, I think he has heels or something, I don't know, whatever. But you know, it was just awful, right? Um, yeah. uh, his body mutilated. Um, and so Priam, you know, from Aristotle's point of view, right great tragedy like that right mars one's life Mm -hmm. right um this isn't just losing a spouse this isn't just losing a a a beloved child as bad as those things are yeah which those things themselves can just by themselves right can put people off right in terms of their their lives right maybe for the rest of their lives right To, to kind of back up aristotle's point um that you know, he thinks that that if you're desperately poor, right? He doesn't think you need to be wealthy in order to be uh, happy, but he does think you need to not be desperately poor, right? These yeah. things, if you're desperately poor, right? Like you, you can't really even have friendships. You can't have any real leisure. You're just you know barely scraping by, right? Your life is full of fear, um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, the, such a person their whole, again, their life becomes marred. The desperately poor, right, end up being concerned only with what? Money. Yeah. Right. Oddly enough, right, kind of like at the opposite end of the miser uh, in a way, but um, because they're so bereft of that, right? Sure. Uh, That sort of thing. Um, So what is, so I think that's interesting. It makes me think what Aristotle has in mind here, and I'm going to kind of extrapolate a little bit, but is the idea that that happiness one is happy when one is living a desirable life right a good life for a human being 
across time and across spectrums, right? So across time, that's why it says for your whole life, right? Right, right. Until you're dead, right? Until you're dead. Um, <laughs> and across spectrums, right? So you think about maybe like your physical life, your sexual life, your social life, your uh, political life, professional life, family, like see how you can divide it up into different like categories, right? So, you know, so that uh, the perfect good, the complete good for a human being, right, is to live well and in a desirable way across spectrums of action, categories of action, and across mm -hmm. time, right? Uh, and you think about, this is something we don't think about as much in America, maybe because we're obsessed with the youth, I don't know, but, you know, like, the Greeks were had this idea of of stages in a man's life, right? Mm -hmm. And there's the you know, there's the youth, the youth becomes you know um, the the farmer or the warrior, right? And then he becomes the statesman, yeah. and then he becomes the priest, right? In Plato's Laws, he talks about this idea, right? That that you know they all that all all of them become priests and philosophers at the end of life really um which i think is kind of interesting right they kind of advise yeah. the statesman right oh sure yeah. um but the um you know so that a good life is one that is desirable across the so a good man is a man who could who at one time was uh a, a good uh youth a good athlete uh a good you know from a greek point of view lover um then you know a great warrior or farmer then an effective statesman or, or citizen and ends his life as a wise priest or philosopher, right? That's the, that's a, that's the, that is a life. So you say like a whole, yeah. right. Uh, that is desirable for say, a, you know, a, a man in ancient Athens. Um, what do you think about that, Jason? Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because I mean, we, you know, because we, again, you know, we learn through our senses and we desire things, you know, through our senses, we, we see somebody who has virtue and we mm -hmm. say, we want that, but we also see people that have, that are, that are, you know, like not poor. And you're like, I want that too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's just, it's, it, there's, there, I think there's a, there's a lot of truth to that, that, that we, we don't just seek you know, virtue again, we're, we're fallen human beings, but it's not always, be, but, it, but I'm not saying it's because of our sinfulness, but I mean, like there's, we desire, you know, to have these external goods, which, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Aristotle's bringing up here um, mm -hmm. to have those, to have, to, to at least sufficiently have those to not, like you said, not be desperately poor, not be these things. And that's not wrong to seek no, those things, no, right? That's, not. that's perfectly normal and healthy. Um, and, but it's important to to not reduce your happiness to those things to those things right or or you know or you know for us to tell poor people we'll just be virtuous you'll be happy <laughs> like like you, no you you know you can't that, that, yeah, but you know, I think, the poor guy's like i'm starving though <laughs> right well have you tried being good like that will fill your soul <laughs> no my belly you know like right. there's a 
there, I think this is a, a, a great point in Aristotle that, mm-hmm. that he recognizes that, you know, mm-hmm. happiness, it, it involves the, it, it involves these, these, all of these things, right. It involves, right. it's not just, it can't just be reduced to um, no, no. Yeah. I'm not again, not getting into Christianity and things like that, but I think mm-hmm. there's, there's something to that, you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot to that, I think actually. So one, one thing that if you think about it this way is like, think about it from a pedagogical perspective, right. Um, you're trying to teach your kids, right? Virtue. So you say thing, you can say things like, well, if you want to be effective, right? Across these different stages of life, if you want to be um, effective across different categories of life, mm-hmm. well, what do you need? You need the virtues. Yeah. Right. To be uh, a, a good, rational uh, b- uh, businessman, citizen, lover, friend, right? All those things, right? You, you need to, you, that actually takes reason, yeah. right? You yeah. need to be rational in order to do those things well. If, if, if for nothing else, be able to figure out how to balance them all and coordinate them all. I mean, one of the things that we struggle with, right? Especially in our modern lives, right? Is the way to blend all these things together, right? In a, an effective mixture or hierarchy, right? Sure. How, do I, how do I bring all these things together? Well, you know what? If you're an idiot, you're not going to do a good job, yeah. right? You right. need to be. You need your reason, right, in order to do the to think about those things, and you need to be not impulsive, right? That is, yeah. not, you know, just follow your passions without reason. Passions are good; but they just need to be sort of aimed and guided by reason. Um, and so that brings in the, into view the other virtues like fortitude and temperance, right? which control uh, and direct the irascible passions uh, as well as the concupiscible passions. Um, and then finally, all of this involves interrelations with others. So you're going to have to be just, right? Yeah. So like all of the virtues, we think about the way the, the virtues act, right? As perfective habits, right? Mm-hmm. They can't, we can think about them as rules, but think about them as perfective habits. They're the things that empower us to do well, right? Right across categories and across stages of life right yeah you know uh when um you know the 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 young man above all needs temperance right uh and and obedience um over time he needs to become just right you know that sort of thing you know and hopefully it grows in wisdom right um you know especially when he enters the political uh, or, you know, time when I say political, I mean, you're when you're a full citizen, right, contributing to the community. Um, so uh, that makes a lot of sense to me of the virtues in a natural perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think yeah, maybe a good way to, to look at it and talk about it is, you know, the virtues, they, they, they order the soul. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I remember in one of your recent classes, you said, you know, well, what does it mean to be ordered? Right. It right. means to be organized toward an end Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and this is again goes goes back to what we're talking about here that the 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 virtues order the soul the 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 virtues organize the soul Mm -hmm. towards happiness towards yeah towards an end yeah Um, and that end is this complete desirable life for a man yeah right i think that's that's really the key so you know you imagine the aristotelian man right He's trying to go through his life. He's really creating a life, right? He's crafting a desirable life. Yeah. At the end of it, he can say, you know, I was blessed, 
right? You know, uh, I did well, right? That that sort of thing over the course of the whole thing, right? Right. Um, that's I think kind of the aspiration, right, of the Aristotelian uh, man, right, is to die looking at his life in retrospect, right, and being able to say yes, yeah, right. I think it's an interesting way uh, uh, of, you know, and to even put it, this will sound a little weird, a little bit of a Nietzschean spin on it, but uh, is to say, yes, I would do that again and again <laughs> and again, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a, it, like, that's a way of, of, I think, thinking about the life you're living and what you're striving for, right? Yeah, or um, even to put, to put in the words of St. Robert Bellarmine, right, in his classic work, you know, The Art of Dying Well which is always a good Lenten read, right? <laughs> the art, and not to ruin it for anybody, but the art of dying well is living well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because there is this, you know, again, um, to see the goods and to pursue mm-hmm. the goods, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, to all, but, all, but to also, you know, uh, this is part of the struggle is to be always, you know, again, like you were talking about having our reason govern our passions, right? To, mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to be clarifying our uh, our motives, to be to be, and again, this is where the the cultivation of virtue comes in, um, where we don't just want to, we just like, I don't want to live my life saying I'm just going to do what I perceive to be good. <laughs> like, no, I want to do what is actually good. That's right, right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And and and, but in order to see, in order to recognize what is actually good, I have to have the tools, the skills. Mm-hmm. the virtue mm-hmm. right that that internal organization mm-hmm. towards the end of happiness i gotta have that within me right i gotta yes, have, yes. my soul has to be great yeah, right you know and and you know again going back to aristotle to some degree i do have to have um you know things like you know um i can't be just you know overwhelmed with thinking about money because i'm poor or something like that like mm-hmm. you know or um if I, if I, you know, if I'm constantly wondering where my next meal is coming from, sure, sure. then I, it, it leaves very little time for me to, to, right. to, you know, work on these things and stuff like that. So when well, you think about too, you like a lot of the categories I named, right. Or things like being a citizen, being a husband, being a friend, right. Uh, all of those are very social. They're very context laden. They're very circumstantial. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you know, for Aristotle, one of the blessings of, of prosperity is, is that it makes it possible for you to be a magnanimous citizen, right? Yeah. The magnanimous man is kind of the highest man in civic life, right, for Aristotle. Uh, he's the man who goes above the taxes. Think about yeah. that. And somebody just out of largesse, out of love of his country, <laughs> right? Does something great, right? That was actually That was actually expected in ancient society, right? Mm-hmm. That the wealthy out of largesse would, you know, aggrandize and build up and edify the the, the political community. Um, that's the, you know, that's one of the things the desperately poor man can't do. He can't feast his friends, right? Uh, you think it's funny sometimes in the Bible, right? When this comes up, you know, like the importance of being able to feast your friends. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, that sort of thing. Um, uh, this is going to be kind of scandalous to some people, but Aristotle is very clearly also says that if you're hideously ugly, you can't be happy. 
right? <laughs> and that sounds that's a terrible thing to say. And maybe that'll help us kind of see maybe some limitations as a point approach. Yeah. <laughs> what he means, right, is like if you're hideously ugly, it might not be that easy for you to socialize with other people, right? And that might be something bad about us, right? It certainly doesn't sound very Christian, but you can kind right. of get like from a a common sense, practical point of view, it's better to be beautiful, right? Yeah. Handsome men and beautiful women do better than their than their opposites, right? They're like put it this way: their paths are a little bit uh, smoother sometimes, right? Yeah, there's a great uh, there's a great Seinfeld <laughs> episode about that. So, oh yeah, can, <laughs> I think, there's a great I think it's with John. Yeah, it. it's with John Ham. Yeah, it's great. Okay. <laughs> Go check it out. The uh, um, the guy's just horrible at everything, but everybody praises him as he's that he's the best because he's very handsome. He's very handsome, <laughs> but he, but he, but he's just horrible at everything he does. But people are like, "Oh, thanks, that's great." You're, but it was that's just because he was like, great yeah, episode. The, uh, um, that's funny, <laughs> but you know, just say it's, it's something less, sure. uh, uh, you know, something or di- a different. Like, just say the tragically antisocial person, right? The person who just can't deal with uh small talk making good conversation how to relate to people you know that kind of thing sure their their lives are gonna be harder right (laughs) in a way and um and especially in these categories we've been talking about like being the warrior being the farmer being the 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 statesman right or the good citizen or the you know effective businessman uh, or business leader all of those are things that uh he's going to uh to struggle with now i think that criteria, right, then is, does call into view, right, the way in which happiness does, to some degree, depend on external circumstances in, in Aristotle's view. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's not just my virtue, right? Yeah. It involves, to some degree, external circumstances. Uh, but I just think that's kind of realistic and goes and, and, and fits with the idea that happiness is living a desirable life as a whole. As right? a whole. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, I've emphasized, you know, sort of the end of life perspective on that, right? That is, you look back at your life mm-hmm. and say yes, but that also goes with your current. It, it can, it can, that can fall, uh, serve as a criteria for your current, right? Yeah. Situation. You can, if I ask you, in in the context of this conversation, if I ask you, Jason, are you happy? What I it, what I'd be asking you um, is, are you flourishing, right? Are you effective? in your current state of life across your categories of action. Does that make sense? Yeah. You'd, you'd be asking me, would I do it again? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you might say mostly, but maybe I would kind of wish that this, this, I had not done this part or that part. Right. JC, you know, that's, that's a criterion, right? And he was like, okay. Most of us, most of us just call it the college years, right? (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, the, but you know, that that would be a criterion where you say, okay, well, I I need to improve this area or I need to change this or change that. Um, or maybe this part's really good. I just need to make sure I keep on keeping on, um, you know, but that gives you uh, a criteria both for today and for the whole sort of of your life, right? If you're thinking about it as what I'm trying to do is create a complete life, uh, as a whole. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a totality to it. It's not a it's it's not a feeling, right? That's it's right. not it's a, not a feeling. It's not right? reduced yeah. to, to simple pleasure. It's not reduced to contentment. Mm-hmm. It's not reduced to a lot of those things. Yeah. There's a there's a totality to it that yeah, that involves so, everything. Everything yeah. in man. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I think it's it is uh it's useful. Just as a practical, like when I think about 
my own life and how I'm living or how like it's a, it is a, 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 a practical criteria, a practical model for evaluating myself and evaluating, um, you know, where I'm going and, and what I've done and, and that sort of thing. Right. And I think that's, that's good for us, even at a natural point of perspective. Right? Sure. Absolutely. And I think even, and you know, to, to maybe make a point for our listeners, like it's good to, to, like you said in the beginning, like explore and wonder about mm. these things. Cause I think, you know, as Catholics, you know, sometimes we immediately jump to like the apologetic side of it or, of, or even the theological side of it. We want to quickly jump to God and get there as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. which is, you know, good motivation for like our spiritual lives and stuff. Um, but at the same time, there's, there, there's, there's good exercise in exploring God's creation, right? Mm-hmm. So this, you know, the, the, the design of the human person, right? Yes, that's right. You know, yeah. That's that's what we're we're exploring. So I mean, while we say we're trying to you know limit it to to the realm of philosophy, and 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 things like that, you know, it doesn't mean that we're doing this kind of from an atheistic point of view, yeah. but we're doing it from a point of view of we're gonna we're gonna look at God's creation. We're gonna look at right, uh, you know, and it really I think this I think it this serves very well, or I think it's easy to see when you look at kind of Aristotle's vision here you can really see a good foundation for a correct Christian anthropology. It's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I think actually this model sets you up nicely to pivot sure. to a higher perspective. So one of the things that's nice about having go, going through this exercise, right. And thinking about happiness in, in natural terms is it actually then serves as a really great sort of prologue or introduction to, right. Yeah. Uh, the Christian life. So maybe in our next episode, Jason, what we could do is explore kind of the deficiencies with this model, right, that we've developed. So, I mean, I think this is a good model in a lot of ways, but I think there's also some really interesting things about it that you, that you might want to criticize that actually kind of push you in the direction of Christian living, right. Yeah. That, that, that maybe includes the best aspects of what we've talked about, but right. also answers some problems that are inherent in that. This the the problems inherent in that Aristotelian model are sometimes um, talked about under the title of the fragility of happiness. Right? Yeah. I think there's something kind of right about that that sort of phrase and the criticism that uh, uh, it includes. But we can talk about that that next time. Yeah. No. And I and I agree. But and I think you know on the on the on the the flip side of that also by looking at um uh, you know uh, happiness in christianity built upon this aristotelian you know foundation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you could see some of the flaws of or, or many of the flaws of of uh you know whether it's modern culture or even some aspects even within um uh, uh, popular Catholicism, right? Where pseudo Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> where we could say, you know, well, the the moral character of a person is pretty pretty dang important to Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but to you know some Christians today, it's it's not not that important, mm-hmm. right? It's there right. there there's other things, right? You know, and you know it's yeah. So I mean, I think it'll also be helpful in pointing out some of the flaws. You know, or even in our own, even in our own thinking, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, we, 
the, the happiness again being being aimed you know being aimed at an end right we mm-hmm. we have to be constantly you know um being judgmental of of okay what is, you know in in looking at ourselves what what is right. the end toward him toward which i'm acting is it selfish mm-hmm. um is it actually a good is there a higher good right. you know am i choosing a lesser good of a higher you know so i mean like all these things i think are very important with regards to uh really really building upon that so um all right very good dr smith do you have any final thoughts no i think i think you summed it up well i i think that this model is uh it, it is um I'm not saying that everything we've said here isn't contained in Aristotle, but I think, you know, sort of inspired by Aristotle, sure. uh, which is that, that happiness is living a desirable life as a whole for yeah. a man. Right. Um, yeah. the, and by that, I mean a human being so that um, it's not the desirable life for a badger or it's not the desirable life for an angel. It's the desirable life for a human being. Um, and so that criteria is set by human nature, but then we need to think about it over a, over the lifespan of a man yeah. and across the categories of action. And that that actually presents us with at least something that's plausible as a complete good, right? Yeah. It's complete not a, good it, is to have lived your whole life. Yeah. Well, happiness is not a temporary state. No. Yeah. Right. Right. right yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I think that's a, yeah, it's an achievement really yeah yeah and again you can't judge an achievement before your life is over that's right <laughs> that's right so, sorry folks but uh all right cool all right we'll we'll, we'll tackle that next time so uh hope uh, hope this was good for all of our listeners uh hope you found it edifying and uh check out all of our content over at catholicstudiesacademy.com until next time god bless <laughs>